Good morning and welcome to the Tech Central podcast. My name is Daniel Robus. I'll be your host. And today I'm joined by Sean Andrew Sanders, CEO and founder of Revix, an investment company with a difference. Sean, you seem to be a serial entrepreneur, three startups, loads of press, loads of success. Why Revix? Why come back to South Africa? Uh, good question. So I was working in the United Kingdom for a family office. Our family office is really just where somebody that has a lot of money decides that they need other people to manage their money for them. So you have a lawyer, you have a financial analyst, you have a portfolio manager, and these people try and make X amount of money into more money. And that's great. And who doesn't like money? But it's not that fulfilling. I mean, my itch really is, I don't know, sort of laying bricks every day. And I find when you're building a business, you get to lay bricks that then you, know, you can put another brick on top of that brick the next day. And even if you build that house really slowly, you're still kind of working on that same project day in and day out. And it's your own house. Even if you get other people on board that own parts of that house, obviously I'm making an analogy between you know, investors getting 100%. on board and all the rest. But if you can do that, that's really cool. And also I think something that I've identified with myself and it's probably one of my biggest weaknesses as well is that I don't get satisfaction out of accomplishments. I mean, accomplishments are the goals that I go for, but I really enjoy the journey. Like the whole roller coaster ride of being so nervous and anxious that you can't sleep, like you're going to run out of money with a startup to, you know, having to hire somebody that's the best in class, then to actually achieving some goal. Like it's that entire roller coaster which really gets me going. So that was sort of the driving force behind Revix. And I mean, that's more of a personal sort of story. Yes. And then on the other side of things is I did my honors dissertation in finance, specializing in this weird and wonderful world of ETFs. So electronically traded funds. So like okay. you'll see that on the JSE, you've got like the Satrix Top 40 or the S&P 500. Those are funds that you can invest in, but they trade on stock exchanges. And I got infatuated with this area. Okay. And it's an emerging area. And I kind of was exposed to a new sort of way to do this, to get diversified exposure to various sectors, industries, themes while working at the family office, but it's only available to really rich people, which means yeah. that let's say you own the JSE top 40, the ETF itself. That means that you actually own a fund that buys each of the top 40 companies on the JSE. So you've got a little bit of Naspers, a little bit of Woolies, a little bit of Standard Bank, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Now there's this thing called direct indexing, which means that you actually can go and instead of buying into a fund, you circumvent the fund and all the expenses that are associated with that and actually buy the underlying companies. And okay. it was that exposure, which is currently only available to pretty wealthy investors that I was like, hey, that should actually be applied to everyday people because yeah. that's going to save you a lot of money over your lifetime. And that's really where Revix started, not necessarily in the stock space or the equity space, but in the crypto space. And that was sort of the inception point for Revix where I was like, yeah, this definitely will come about. So let's try offer it to the masses. Awesome. And you chose not to do that in London. You came home, you immigrated from Joburg to Cape Town. Why did you come back to SA when you were in the heart of the first world? London's a really hard city to live in. I mean, yeah. personally, look, I, I don't really care about the weather all that much, even though we speak about it sometimes too much, actually, I suppose, in podcasts and all the rest. <clears throat> but for me, it was like, you know, if it was an inefficient city. If you wanted to go somewhere, and again, this is like a very personal sort of anecdote, but if you want to go somewhere, you have to go like 45 degrees in the wrong direction via train. Then you have to catch a bus. You have to wait for that bus. Like, no, South Africa is incredibly efficient. And let's not forget, like, you have such a good standard of living here that like, hell, if you can build a business like with less competition because the UK is really competitive. I mean, yeah. why not? But Revix actually is registered between South Africa and the UK. So we've taken advantage yeah. of both markets. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's pretty much the reason. I really just prefer living in an efficient city. 
I love that. I've actually made a note of that. That's the first time I've heard that. And I'm going to, I really like that. But Sean, if we look back at your life, you always seem to be leading. Has this been something thrust upon you or do you take it? Has it been since school? Yeah. I mean, I was, you know, in South Africa, you've got prefects. So I was a prefect. I was head boy in primary school, in high school. I think I was too infatuated with like my own personal uh, sort of, you know, I wanted to be a professional rugby player and I wanted to do like football, athletics, cross country. Like there was just no way that, you know, I was going to be a good head boy in high school. Like I was just too busy with too many different things. But I was captain of, you know, a whole bunch of different teams. And it was always something that I enjoyed, but it was always something where I was like, I need to lead by example. And I think one of the biggest shortcomings of a lot of leaders is that they're very easy to sort of say, like, let's do this, right? Or you do this. And they don't necessarily do it. And I find like, you know, so many people come up with great ideas, but then they never execute on those ideas. And for me, it's like, you know, you want to be X person, like start right now. You don't have to wait until tomorrow. And it was that sort of leadership approach, which is really like, I want to lead by example. I would like to show you, listen, if we're going to raise a ton of cash, like we can do this, we're going to achieve these dreams. And that's sort of, I guess, what I've focused on over the years. We're going to get to that raising a ton of cash. That's been pretty public at the moment. But what do you think are the three big ticket items a leader needs in their arsenal? The three big ticket items. Number one, humility. You need to be humble. You need to, I think, realize that you've got faults as well. Probably two kind of ties into that is also being vulnerable. I mean, I think the old school approach to being an authoritative sort of leader doesn't really work. I mean, people don't get behind you with that. They sort of work for you, which is not necessarily what you want to achieve. And then I think the other thing is that you have to be a really good storyteller. And that's something that I've actually had to really work on because like the idea of giving, I'm actually a quant, right? So like I, my entire degree was very math driven, very statistical driven. And when you start looking at like a story, I go like fact, 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 done. Like you've got everything that you need. And the people are really good at like slowing down and like, you know, really making it interesting. So that's something that I've had to work on because at the end of the day, when you join a company, you're buying into that story. When you are listening to a founder, you're buying into his story or her story. And for me, I've had to tell a lot of stories to investors, to employees, to, you know, a whole bunch of different stakeholders. So that's something that I think a good leader can do pretty well. Outstanding. I really like that. How does this impact your Revix team? How do you see that the humility, vulnerability, and storytelling is molding the team next to you, behind you, and under you? I think it depends. I guess it's from one day to the next. It does vary significantly. As an example, when you're looking to launch a new feature on the platform, like, you know, you realize people are going to mess up. Like people are going to really get things wrong and having the humility to say like, okay, right. Well, it maybe isn't just that person's fault. Like, is there something else actually going on? And then having, I guess, the confidence as well to be able to step up and say, listen, as a team, can we move forward with this? It's, I suppose, a very challenging sort of thing because everyone has a different leadership style within a broader business. And, you know, while I might say like, listen, I think these are the features that I think are the most important and being able to tell a story is also, you know, a very critical element. Uh, It does obviously change from circumstance to circumstance and feature to feature. Okay. And your forte, you were just talking around numbers and you understand the numbers and you're quite logical. What do you think is your forte as a leader that makes people congregate around you? I think it's my ability to do. Uh, It's the action orientated side of me. So when I say I'm going to do something, I will always do it. And I suppose that's the identity that I've created for myself. And therefore, you know, I kind of have to live by that. And I want to live by that. But I think that's one of the defining factors that I believe. So that's your legacy. 
That's what you're going to leave behind. I love that. I love that. You know, when we were chatting earlier, you were saying you in it for the game, not necessarily the scoreboard. Do you ever feel overwhelmed by the responsibility for the team? John Maxwell said leadership involves the heavy burden of responsibility. Do you feel it? Do you feel it when you're making those decisions? Or is it like, nah? Ah, humility 101, 100%. Pastor <laughs> syndrome is a real thing, definitely. Uh, no, no, of course. I mean, think about it. You go and you you build your dream. Like this is what Revex is for me. Like being able to build this fintech company that's going to be able to service tens of thousands in the future, millions of people. And you've got people criticizing your platform. You've got people like giving you their, their input. And like there's a lot. You let an investor down because you can't make everyone happy. You let an yeah. employee down. You have to let people go. Like it's, of course, it's incredibly stressful. So yeah, I don't think there's anyone out there that builds a business that doesn't go gray a little bit. I mean, I've got fantastic lighting in the room here. That's why you can't see any gray hairs. But yeah, so that weight, that weight of responsibility, you feel it and you take it quite seriously. The carrying the weight of managing clients' dreams. I mean, there's various legs in there, but you can't delegate that away. Like you're at the top there. Have you had any encounters where you just think, "Phew, that wasn't great." That 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 yeah oh yes <laughs> so many encounters like that of course look when you're managing people's money you i mean that's more important than anything else to people right mm. like their data is one thing but their money you cannot mess around with their money yeah and there are bugs that exist. Now, obviously we test our systems thoroughly, but it doesn't matter what system you have. Banks have bugs, systems go down for periods of time. I mean, I can say, you know, with a lot of confidence and happiness, I suppose that we have one of the most robust systems out there. Like we have had less downtime than any bank in South Africa, than any FinTech platform in general. I mean, we mm. pride ourselves in that. But in terms of, you know, staying awake at night, potentially saying, well, listen, you know, are we susceptible potentially to some cyber attack? Yes, mm -hmm. of course. How can we prevent that? Mm -hmm. So it's that sort of stuff which you do need to be thinking about. And it's also a privilege to kind of have those problems. I always yeah. say, like, I'm very grateful for these issues because, mm -hmm. like, what's the alternative? Like some family member being ill, you know, not having great health yourself, that's mm -hmm. way worse. Like, I'm grateful for the problems that I have. I'd love mm -hmm. to be stressed about people potentially hacking the system every day. Like, that would mm -hmm. be, like, that's, yeah. that's what I'm doing. I'm stoked about that. Yeah. You know, I was just thinking, I didn't make it as a question, but also just bearing the fact that you are one of the forerunners in this area. And then you read about people leaving the country with lots and lots of money of their investors. You have to deal with that fallout as well, just the trust factor. What do you think is your discipline that keeps you focused? What is that one thing that keeps you down to, keeps your feet in the ground because your head is in the clouds quite a bit, you're quite a dreamer, but what keeps you grounded? There's probably two things actually. There's not a single thing. So the first thing is I train every single day and I'm not talking, I don't go to gym and lift the heaviest weights or run until I'm dying on the treadmill. It's yeah. more just a case of like, I need to zone out. And it's actually the time when I'm the most creative as well. So I'll come up with a whole bunch of really great ideas, things I can do with team members. And that for me is essential. And it's yeah. essential because it also really helps me sleep later in the day. Yeah. I think the second thing, which is again, a pretty South African sort of ordeal, perhaps an emerging market sort of focus, but you walk down the streets. I mean, I'm in Seapoint right now, yeah. but you walk down the street and you're confronted with extreme poverty. Like a lot of people have been really hit by COVID. And it's this weird reaction that I have every single time I see somebody that it's either asking for money or, you know, they just don't have anything. You can immediately go like, I'm grateful just to buy this coffee or I'm grateful to do yeah. sort of things like that. And that humility again is I think really powerful because you're like, well, you know, regardless of the stresses that are in front of us, I'm just grateful that we are where we are. 
And I think that's quite powerful as well. Wow. That gratitude, I saw something which was a reflection, a 10-minute reflection on yesterday on all the things that I have to be grateful for. And I, I think that slots into your walk. It's why I run every day as well is because I can. I get the privilege. I, so I get you. I get you. We've spoken about who you are and what do you bring. And I had a question here, which was the biggest asset that you bring to the team, but you've spoken about it so well. I want to ask the typical question, not your weakness, but what is your one stumbling block that you have that others carry for you? What is your one blind spot or your, your one stumbling block? My one blind spot is I'm, and this is like the terrible sort of answer, like not like I'm a perfectionist, therefore yeah. I work too hard. No, I'm not going to say that, yeah. but it's like, I am over controlling. Like I am yeah. a complete control freak. The fact that I have to get other people to, you know, sort of either handle our brand CI, our corporate identity, or, yeah. you know, somebody else building a new financial product within the business, absolutely anything, whether it's even a, a legal expert weighing in with a legal opinion. It's like, yeah. I need to be involved and to, you know, get to a company size that we are today. I mean, we've got 26 people. We're going to be growing before the end of the year, probably to 35, 40 people. And you obviously can't do everything. You definitely, definitely can't. But to have to delegate and then trust these people, you know, I'm really grateful when something works like that and you like see yeah. the power of being able to like leverage competent people. Yeah. But my word, it's like a really difficult really. thing for me. Yeah, I, I can't associate because I delegate easily and to my detriment. <laughs> but I understand that that's why I work with Control Freaks. It's great. You've transitioned from very interesting teams and culturally, moving from the UK, where you essentially grew up from a management perspective, back to SA, where you're leading now, do you find that hard? Do you find playing different roles hard? Have you found the role now? Is this your baby that you're going to grow up? Or is there something next for you? I love working with really competent people. So it's actually not even that much about me, really. It's when you can work with people where you sit in the room and you're like, oh, my word, I feel so stupid because somebody else is just remarkable in a particular area. That can be a developer, that could be a product owner, that could be a designer, you name it. But just where they make you feel like, oh, my gosh, I actually know nothing about the subject. And that to me is powerful. So in the different businesses that I've been involved with, in the UK, I was with some really smart and intelligent people, a lot of which are actually South African, funny enough as well. Yeah. And then when I was in Cape Town with Knife Capital, which was a venture capital firm that I was at just before I started Revix. And again, I was working with guys from Harvard and Stanford. I mean, incredibly switched on individuals. And I loved that. And that's what kind of gets me going. So, I mean, I'm definitely in the best position I've ever been in my entire life. The, certainly a position that I've enjoyed the most and I've been challenged the most, which I think yeah. is sort of a good combination at Revix. So, you know, would... I want to change anything? No, but I'm pretty sure that in the future, you do need to shake things up a little bit. I'd like a new challenge. I'm not to say that Revix is by any means like a successful sort of venture. I mean, we've grown a lot and we are continuing to grow. But for me, like success will be to take this thing to either like some really big exit yeah. within the next four or five years or to just, you know, make it my baby. And then, you know, you're looking at sort of having this cash generative business and be able to do something else. Keep your baby. Come run UTCT with me. We'll do the 100Ks and watch the sun come up over Cape Town. That'll be much more fun. Keep the business that going. That does sound good. What is special about the Revex team? And let me give you context around that. I was doing some research stalking your team. There's a very eclectic, interesting group of humans that you have put around you that's taking this fintech to the next level. Did they find you? Did you find them? And what's special about this group of individuals? 
So it's a bit of both. I mean, you always sort of need that. You need a company looking for a particular role to be filled and then for somebody to come along. I mean, having said that, there have been occasions where somebody says, listen, I would love to interview with you guys. We say, well, we don't really have a position available. And then you interview a very competent person and you're like, well, how do we get them into this team? Yeah. Because at the end of the day, I mean, a business is just a group of really competent people working towards a common goal. What makes the Revix team really special, I think, is the fact that we are all A team players, but we won't necessarily a or a plus high school students or university students and i say that and people are like oh but like you know you need to hire the best but like that's not the truth like some of the hardest workers in this team they never went to uni and yeah. you know what they worked their absolute butts off yeah of post high school but they worked in some really interesting businesses i mean our cto run he never got a formal education formal being like a tertiary yeah. education that is a university-based education yeah and I mean, he is an incredible dev. I mean, this guy yeah. could go out, get hired by Amazon, earn nearly 250,000 Rand a month. Yeah. And I mean, we're certainly not paying him that much because we could never, but the idea would be that, you know, he could go out and earn this sort of money. And that's yeah. because he's self-made. It just really challenges the concept around like what an A team or like a A player really is. And yeah. I think that's the unique formula that we've got really is like looking beyond just your prior work experience, looking beyond just your grades and really saying, well, listen, who are you as an individual? Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I read the bios of the folks that are on there, you can see that coming through. And your analogy of the 18 players, not stars, is also, and if we look at any sporting phenomenon, lest we look at Leicester City winning against the, probably the most competitive league in the world and with a bunch of B-string players, but they played as a team. I think that stands you really well. If we have to go philosophical, do you have a leadership quote or a verse or something that you fall back on when times are hard? Yeah, I've got loads. I'm a quotes guy. So oh, the good, one I quote like that. that I really love is never stand begging for that which you have the power to earn. I would be lying if I told you who it's from, but that's probably my favorite life quote. Oh, I love that. Wow, that is so good. That is really good. I'm keeping that. Do you read a lot or vlog a lot or what are you reading at the moment? I used to read a lot. And I mean, uh, a lot, a lot, like back in the day when I had a bit of time being okay. three and a half years ago. Okay. But since then, I've had to slow down on just what I'm reading. Everything I'm reading at the moment is very startup focused and how to scale a business. And it's a lot more practical. Are you podcast? Yeah. Are you listening to podcast? Who's your podcasts when you're walking down Seapoint? Oh, there's so many different podcasts I listen to. Give me one. Uh, School of Greatness. School of Greatness is one of my favorites. There is Trained from Nike, which is phenomenal. There's the Bloomberg podcast. I'm still that finance guy, so I've got yeah, that, which I absolutely such love. Such a nerd. Such a yeah. nerd. Boundering, which is a great podcast. And then How I Built This. I mean, those are like my, my top awesome. podcasts. What is the next level for Revix and yourself? What is this goal that you want to get to? So the next level for us is to take our product offering from only being in the crypto space and broaden that essentially to target anyone. Because right now, I mean, not everyone wants to invest in crypto and it's not for everyone. So our next goal is to say, listen, maybe there's other areas that you want to invest in. So emerging themes, like let's say AI, biotech, 5G technology, renewable energy, medical cannabis. Now we've even got space tourism, wow. like all these emerging areas. Yeah. Like how do you as a individual that's listening to this podcast actually invest in these areas? And you're going to say, well, I guarantee you, one of the things I mentioned right now excites you in some way. Wow. But you don't necessarily know how to invest in them. And that's where we want to come in. We want to be able to say, listen, actually, no, you can get exposure to this area. Again, we don't expect you to go put your life savings into it. That yeah. would be silly. Yeah. But you can invest in the area. And I think people don't realize what 
investing can do for them. I mean, when you've had an investment that's increased four, five, 10 X, you see all of a sudden this can change your life. This can yeah. literally yeah. lead to paying for that tertiary education at some private you know, institution, but it can allow you to go to that dream holiday, buy that dream house Absolutely. and do all these things. That's why investing is so powerful. Absolutely. And actually I sit here embarrassed that I haven't come to you yet and said, look, educate me because it's quite scary for us closer to 50 than 30 and this whole side and all I hear are the terrible sides of crypto, whereas you're living the dream and enabling the dream. And I sit here hanging my head. So I'm going to be giving one of the guys a call and they can take me through my investment. It's really been the time's flown. We're on 30 minutes and I want to get into what's exciting for Revix in the next six months. What's coming out? We've spoken a little bit from crypto to everything and emerging areas. But what are you releasing in the next six months that's like, wow, you're excited for? So we actually just released the first component of this and that's our savings vaults. So our savings vaults are very much like a normal savings account at your bank, right? The beauty here is that you'll earn a dollar-based yield. So you'll earn something called USDC, which is a dollar-based stable coin, one for one backed by US dollars and you'll earn interest rates that are higher than what you currently have at any South African bank. So you're earning a dollar rate of return that is higher than what you're gonna get at your bank. And in addition to that, we're going to enable people to earn a yield, so earn interest on their cryptocurrency. So let's say you've got some Bitcoin or you've got some Ethereum, you can deposit with Revix and earn six or 7% a year just on holding it on the platform. And the reason why we can actually offer a higher return than what you would otherwise get at a bank is because you know you look at Santon City or you know even Cape Town CBD and you yeah. see those really tall, shiny buildings that kind of made out of glass and like some ridiculous other materials. Yeah. Like there's a reason that those buildings exist, right? Because somebody's taking money every single time you do something. And we're trying to just remove that sort of intermediary in the process, really yeah. removing yeah. all the different financial intermediaries that exist out there and give the returns to our customers. <laughs> Come on, Sean. Your personal focus over the next 12 weeks, what is the CEO getting up to in the next quarter? Over the next 12 weeks. So I think there's going to be really two areas that I'm focusing on. Mm -hmm. The first is that I need to break away from being very marketing focused as an individual. And that means kind of saying, well, listen, we need to do this. We need to do this and handing that over to my team. So kind of getting away from that control freak perspective and getting back onto the fundraising bandwagon. So we've raised a fair amount of money to date, but as a business, we are a very hungry business when it comes to money. Like we, we are very expensive to run. I mean, tech companies require experts across the board. Mm. Software Mm. developers are in short supply Mm. and they are super expensive as well. They're really competent people. Mm. So you have to pay for that. And we're also expanding Mm. into the EU. So I'm busy going through a little mini PhD, not actually a PhD, but going through having to learn about all the different regulations that exist there. AMLD6, MIFID2, I mean, these names are even scary. But I'm having to get up to speed with all of that. Brilliant. We are going to be watching and I can't wait for the next podcast when you talk around your expansion and the lessons learned there. You know, having been through a couple of globalization of product and company, it's not easy. Cultural differences are real and businesses are real. So all strength to you. Getting your personal journey and what you would say, I want a statement from you. What advice do you have for investors today? And what would you say to an aspiring entrepreneur? Yeah, so to investors, I would say look through the short-term noise. As a parallel, look at, I'm going to use Bitcoin, but you can insert Microsoft, Amazon, Tencent, you name it. Look at the long-term trend with something. 
That trend, generally, if it's going from the bottom left of the graph to the top right, you're going to have something that more people are adding money to over time and it's creating value over the long term. That is one of the most powerful things you can look at. The short-term noise, look through that, generally speaking. I mean, obviously, things do change, but I think that's probably the most valuable advice. Long-term trends are your friends. Then in terms of other aspiring entrepreneurs, I think... The best advice I can possibly give you, I mean, there's so many different things I could say given my own little journey here, but back yourself. So many people, I mean, you always have imposter syndrome, right? I'm pretty sure that Steve Jobs had imposter syndrome. I'm sure Elon Musk has imposter syndrome as well. But just back yourself. When you believe in something, you get that gut sort of feeling to say like, listen, I should do this and I want to do this. And like, I'm passionate about it. Like when you can marry those things, like life is awesome. And that's what I believe people should be going towards. You don't need to do the biggest thing in the entire world. You don't need to change everyone's life. But if you do it with passion and a South African term, then it's like, yes, like that's what I believe as an entrepreneur you should be aiming to do. That is outstanding. Sean, I could carry on chatting to you for hours. I know you don't have hours and I know you have to go and raise some money. Thank you for educating me. Thank you for taking me through your journey and sharing some of the lessons and your outlooks. We are going to be watching for another successful South African story from your side, from my side, Daniel Robus. This is the Tech Central podcast, and we are going to be signing off.